Good morning. Welcome to Resurrection Life Church. I'm uh, Pastor Rick's wife, Diane, and I've been bringing the word on Mother's Day for many, many, many years, and so I am honored to be here with you today. It's still really strange to be here and, and only have, you know, five or ten people in the room. Uh, Connie Allen sent me a picture of a church where they glued little faces on all the chairs, and that was supposed to make you feel, you know, uh, like there might be some interaction, I guess. there. Were, I think Mickey Mouse was there and Cookie Monster and uh, a lot of people, and uh, that was really cute. So that's a good idea. But we're looking forward to the day when we can all be here together again. I miss you. I miss you all. I miss, you know, our church family. I was just thinking about the fact that um, Rick, Pastor Rick and I have been here for eight years, and... Um, it's been just amazing, and so uh, I'm honored today to be able to speak to you. I want to say a special hello to my good friend, Cindy. Cindy, a couple weeks ago when I was here, Cindy uh, found me somehow on YouTube or somewhere, I don't know, and uh, so I think she's watching again this morning, and I, you know, Cindy and I met in Vacation Bible School when we were just little girls, and we were roommates. We've walked many roads together, and, and I'm just really excited that she's with us today, and so hi, Cindy. I love you, and I'm glad that you're, that you're watching. So it's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. I'm a mother. And the uh, best thing I ever did was have kids, two little girls, and um, I love them. They're big girls now, and um, they're amazing. I always figured that Hallmark invented all these holidays, you know, because they seem to be the ones profiting the most. But it um, turns out that Mother's Day goes back to Greek and Roman times, that it actually was a spring festival uh, honoring, you know, goddesses and um, in America, it came to our country in the late 1800s, early 1900s, a couple of pioneering women um, decided to uh, commemorate a day as a way to honor their mothers for, and to thank them for their efforts in giving them life, raising them, and being a constant support and being a well-wisher. I thought that was kind of interesting because that's what we do, moms, isn't it? We try to keep our kids encouraged, and we wish them well. We pray for them. We love them. And um, moms live a life of servanthood, and uh, they're just like Jesus in that. Jesus came to serve, so thank you, moms. And uh, I want you to honor your mother today. Um, spoil her. Do something for her. Motherhood is the most wonderful and the most heartbreaking job you'll ever have. It's good, and it's hard, and it's amazing, and it can be heartbreaking. But you know what? Praise God. Um, mothers are important. They're called, and um, we're thankful for each and every one of them. Call your mom today. Encourage her. Thank her. Treat her if you can. And mothers, if you don't hear from your kids, I'm just going to exhort you here. Don't sit home and, and be sad. You call them. You know, I, I d determined a long time ago that I'm going to pursue my children, whether they like it or not. <laughs> it can't be called harassment, but, leave, you know, there is a certain age bracket maybe when they, they're a little um, more uh, reluctant. Uh, but 
You know what? Pursue your kids. So if you don't hear from your kids today, moms, don't sit home and cry. Feel bad for yourself. Call them and say, hey, I'm your mom, and I love you. You know what? A mother's love is unconditional. And uh, so I encourage you to, to spread that today. I usually bring ice cream. Used to be we did flowers and stuff. And then I'm like, okay, everyone's going to bring me flowers today. So um, how about some chocolate <laughs> or some ice cream? And I really enjoyed giving all the ladies uh, an ice cream cone or something here in the sanctuary and say, you know what, you're going to eat it in front of everybody and be blessed. And I like doing that. So... You know, I was thinking the other day, what could I do? There's nothing really that I can do. I thought about taking a blank check down to uh, the Dairy Queen in um, St. Louis. It's open, and we haven't been there yet, but I'm sure we'll go. And, and I thought about taking a blank check down there and, and then giving all you moms today a code word, you know, to go there and get you some ice cream on me. And then I thought, oh, my gosh, there'll be a steady stream of cars coming up from you know, downstate, and I mean, the code word is on YouTube, and I can't afford that, so I'm sorry. You're going to have to just buy your mom an ice cream sundae, right? Get her one of those, uh, what's that thing I always get? A turtle sundae. <laughs> and bless her, bless her, because your mom has done so many things for you. And so I've been praying about today, you know, there's a, in Isaiah uh, 50, I think Jesus actually quoted this scripture too when he said, uh, God has given me um, the word that sustains the weary. And whenever I have an opportunity to speak to you, I always pray that prayer. Lord, give me the word that sustains the weary. Give me the word that the people need to hear because, you know, I mean, I've been reading this Bible for 30 years. There's a whole lot of stuff we could talk about. But I want to minister to you where you're at today and, and what you need. And, and so he's given me a word. I pray that it ministers to you. We're going to go back to some of the basics because, you know, we've discovered that there are a lot of people that are picking up the service online that maybe, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you know. Um, and you know what? It doesn't matter how many years that you've been walking with the Lord it is always good to go back to the basics and, and, and just, you know, be reminded, especially now in this season that we live in. I think we need to be reminded. So I'm going to talk to you today from out of um, Matthew chapter 5. And it's a very familiar passage of Scripture. If you have your Bibles, get them out and go ahead and find uh, Matthew chapter 5. You know... Um, let me just say this. If you're new to the Word of God, uh, I would encourage you to, to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are four men that walked with Jesus um, when Jesus um, began his ministry on the earth. Um, he had disciples that were with him just about every step of the way. And these first four books in the New Testament are actually the 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 stories that these men told about what happened. Now, as you read them, you'll discover that they're all kind of similar. It's, it's kind of like if we went on a trip together and then sat down and we all told about the trip, we'd all have a little different 
point of view, wouldn't we? And so that's what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are, and those are called the Gospels, and they are, they tell the, the story of uh, Jesus' life on earth and the road that he walked. And Jesus, actually, if you have a red-letter Bible, you'll notice that the words in red are actually him speaking. If you don't have one, I'd encourage you to find one. Because sometimes when I, you know, I'm looking for something to study or, or I need, you know, something to encourage me or whatever, I go to the red letters. I want to hear what Jesus had to say. And so in Matthew chapter 5, this is the beginning of his ministry. He, uh, you know, his cousin John, uh, who, you know, the Bible says was a forerunner, baptized him. And then Jesus went to the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days. And, and when he came out of there, he went into the synagogues, and he began to teach. And, well, he, along the way, he stopped for uh, four men. They were fishermen, and um, their names were Simon and Andrew. They were brothers, and James and John, they were brothers. And they were fishing, and he called out to them, and he said, Hey, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And so they dropped everything, and they went with Jesus, and they followed him. So Jesus goes into the synagogue, and he begins to teach. And, you know, a lot of people, they didn't know who he was. They're thinking, where'd this guy come from? And, um, uh, but multitudes came to hear him, and he healed all the sick. The Bible says any who were sick, he healed them. So they started coming in droves, don't you know? with um, sick people, people with diseases, people, you know, that were crippled, that had infirmities, and he healed them all. And so multitudes came to him, and um, in chapter 5, where we're going to start off, he takes his disciples up onto a mountain, and he begins to teach them. And, you know, Jesus came to teach us how to live this life. See, God is the author. He's our creator, and he is the author of this life. And so he knows how to make it work. And so Jesus began to teach his people. Let me just take a little bunny trail right here. If you don't know Jesus, um, it's very easy to get to know him. Uh, you read his word, number one, and, and let me just explain a little bit to you. You know, one of the very first scriptures I learned was John 3.16, probably most of us, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believeth in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And so God loves the world. He loves everyone. And, you know, I have to think that, you know, God looked down from heaven and he saw that his people needed a redeemer. And so the Bible teaches us that he actually became a man. You know, this is what we celebrate at Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. That baby was God becoming a man and coming to the earth to save us and to redeem us from the trial and the trouble and, and from, from death. And uh, I know to some it may seem like a far-fetched story, but the truth is that if you will believe on him, if you will believe in him, he will change your life. I know he did mine. He's the author and the creator of this life, so he knows how it's supposed to work. 
So God, when he created us, he created us with a knowing, a God consciousness, if you will. There's a place on the inside of us that, that um, it, it's a God spot. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about when my kids were little, we used to watch this video, um, uh, you know, for kids. Barney was popular. We also had the Donut Man. I don't know if any of you remember the Donut Man. But uh, the donut man sang this little jingle, life without Jesus is like a donut. There's a hole in the middle of your heart. And I submit to you that it's a God-shaped hole. You know, when God breathed life into the man, God breathed his spirit into the inside of us. We're drawn to spiritual things. You know, a number of years ago, I don't know, maybe it's been 20 years ago now, seems like every channel was psychic hotlines and all these, you know, uh, uh, Chloe and, you know, I, all these people. Now, I didn't call any of them because I, that spiritual place in me is filled. But for a lot of people, they're trying to fill that spiritual void with psychics, with mysticism with rocks and crystals and and you know isn't it kind of funny that even some of the bars in town say spirits are served here you know relationships can be a spiritual um, um, thing everybody's trying to to fill that spiritual hole on the inside because you know what Without it being filled, you're, there's an emptiness. And God wants to fill that place. He created you with that hole so he could fill it. So Romans 1.20, uh, here's another book of the Bible that you need to read. If you haven't read it in a while, read it. If you've never read it, read it. And this was written by Paul, and he's writing to the church in, in Rome. Um, and he says this, he says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and the Godhead, so that we are without excuse. See, you can see God all around you. You can see his handiwork in nature. And, you know, sometimes when I think about the complexity of our human bodies, you can see God's hand at work. I, you know, who else could have put that together, right? So we're without excuse. God wants to make himself known to you. He wants to reveal himself to you. The, the Godhead that was spoken up of in this verse is, it speaks of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Bible says it's three in one. It's a mystery. But, you know, God, I think everybody would say, yeah, I've heard of God. They might even say, I believe in God. But I want you to know that you need to know his son. You need to know that God became a man. He came to the earth and he laid down his life. He died in our place to redeem us. He traded places with us. He rescued us. That redemption that we needed, God came to the earth in the form of a man. His name is Jesus Christ. And then, you know, 
his spirit, God's spirit is alive and well on the earth. Now, you may have heard people talk about the Holy Spirit. Well, it is the spirit of God. Jesus said when he left the earth, that it's good for you that I go away because when I go, the Father is going to send the Spirit and he'll live in you. He'll be your inner guide. He'll be a counselor. He'll be a comforter. He'll lead you. And so the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, he is holy. He's on the earth and he's available for you today. So if you don't know Jesus, he is the way that God made to bring us back out of the pit of hell and to rescue us, to redeem our lives. He traded his life for ours. And all you need to do is call on him. All you need to do is call on him and receive him. Say, Jesus, I need you, and I receive you. I want you. Fill me up on the inside. Fill that void. Lead me, guide me, show me how to live this life. And then you got to trust him. You got to trust him. You know, I might have said this a couple weeks ago, but my daughter just sent me this text and she goes, Mom, I'll never forget when you lost control of the car in a snowstorm. And you, and you know, we were spinning in circles and I just started hollering, Jesus, Jesus, you know, as we spun around and, and you know, all of a sudden the car straightened out and, and we went on our way and I looked at her and I said, and that is how that is done. And she said, I remember that, Mom. I remember that in hard times. You just called on Jesus. And you know what? I submit to you today, if you're in a hard place, and hard times may come, if you're not in one right now, call on his name. He's there for you. He wants to be there for you. So let's go back to chapter 5 for a minute, because what I want to really talk to you about today is from the Sermon on the Mount. It's called the Beatitudes, actually. It's when Jesus was on the mountain with his disciples, and he began to teach them. And see, here's the thing that, that we need to know, is that there is another way to live than maybe the way that you've always known. It's a kinder, <laughs> it's a kinder way. And... Um, I was going to say simpler, but you know what? The, the hardest thing about living life the way that, that Jesus taught us how to live is that we got to discipline our own self. And um, so I'm going to read some of this. I want to get to, to verse 9, which is where I am going. And so Jesus, seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, you might think, what the heck does that mean? To be poor in spirit actually is a, <clears throat> this particular passage is speaking of, of being humble. It's speaking of humility, not being proud or haughty or arrogant, but being humble. See, like I said, it's simple, but not so easy to do. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I always used to think, you know, if you lost a loved one, you're going to mourn. But what this scripture is referring to is repentant, repentance. Blessed are those who repent. And, you know, that word means that, that you have sincere regret or remorse. Not just saying I'm sorry, but you sincerely regret and have remorse for the things that you have done or the things that you have said. And, and the promise associated with that repentance is that you'll be comforted. You'll be forgiven. 
The next verse said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, you might think a meek person is somebody who's weak and timid, but a, a meek person is someone who is gentle, patient, and teachable. So many people aren't teachable. There's so many know-it-alls. And you know what? We need to be teachable because, believe it or not, you don't know everything. <laughs> Neither do I. Here's another definition of meek said this, that it's restraining one's own power so as to allow room for others. Well, there's something we could possibly do today. Restrain your own power to allow room for others. The next scripture says, talks about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Let me read it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. This is a scripture that talks about desiring your relationship with God, being hungry for him, desiring him, and, and desiring having, being in right standing with God. You know what? Recognizing that you're empty and you desire for God to fill that empty place. And what, does the, what is the promise? You shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Boy, I need mercy all the time. Mercy is a word that means forgiveness or compassion when it's in your power to be punished. You know, when we were raising our kids, we took opportunities to show them mercy because we wanted to set an example of mercy because God gives us mercy. We don't always get what we deserve, praise the Lord. <laughs> and, you know, our kids sometimes, you know, kids make silly mistakes, you know, but sometimes our kids would do something really stupid and then... They'd be like, oh, man, you know, or, or, or something big. Maybe it was a silly mistake, but a window got broken or something. And we would give them mercy instead of punishment. Because God gives us mercy. And we wanted to model that for them. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's kind of um, self-explanatory. I want to get to verse number 9, and this actually is the title of my message. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. You know, peacemaking is a lost art right now in... Um, May of 2020. And the sons and daughters of God are supposed to be peacemakers. And so I want to talk to you about that today because I see that there's just such a huge need for peacemaking. And, and that is supposed to be who we are, saints, as sons and daughters of God. We're supposed to be peacemakers. You know, there's so much division and there's so much turmoil and there's so much fighting. Moms are peacemakers, right? I used to have this little sign that said peace and I hung it on the linen closet door in between my daughter's bedrooms and I was trying to put something out there. I was trying to create some peace between the teenage girls Moms are peacemakers. You do it all day long. You're saying, stop fighting with your sister. 
I had two little girls. They were two years apart. I thought that was optimal. Two years apart, that was, you know, that's a good plan. Turns out, um, it just seemed like a good idea. Because, you know, when your kids are a year apart, they're like best friends. You know, they get along. When they're three or four years apart, then they're, there's a, enough of a break between them that they seem to love and respect one another. I don't know, two years apart is difficult. At least it was at our house. And, you know, at one time, I took a poll at a women's meeting. I said, okay, how many of you have sisters? You know, everyone raise your hand. How many of you are really close with your sisters? And, like, three out of 50 ladies raised their hand. And I, and I thought, okay, well, then I guess it's not just us, you know? I mean, I, you want your kids to always be close. I know my mom... For years, every time I talked to her, she'd say, have you talked to your brother and your sisters? Because you want your kids to stay close. And, and you know, I think it's, a, um, it, it's kind of a seasonal thing because there are seasons when they are really close and then there are other seasons when they're not. I used to tell my girls, you are best friends. I was trying to speak those things that be not as though they were, you know. You are best friends, I would tell them, but um, they didn't act like it. But now, they are so supportive of each other. They love each other. They're, so, they're kind to each other. They're so supportive of each other, and it just blesses my heart. Moms are peacemakers all day long. And then I'm back in Romans 14 and 9, and this scripture says, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace, and the things by which we may edify one another. So we're called to edify one another. Do you know what that means? That means to build each other up, to encourage one another, and to help one another. And I don't see a whole lot of that taking place these days in May of 2020. I believe as I've prayed for God to give me a word that will sustain the weary, that he gave me this word because there is no peace in the world right now. Everyone is fighting. I see families fighting on Facebook. I can't, I can't read all the stuff. I'm not a huge Facebook person anyway, but I can't even read all the stuff because it's horrible. Somebody posts an opinion, and then everybody wants to argue, and then somebody comes in and starts throwing names around. And I mean, it's, it's nuts. Families are fighting. The news is nothing but fighting. There's disagreement everywhere you turn. People are in conflict. If you leave the house or if you don't leave the house, if you go out, are you wearing a mask or you're not supposed to wear a mask? Or why aren't you staying home? Or why aren't you standing up for our freedoms? You know what? There's so much fighting. And I just want to tell you this. That no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what you think or what you feel or what you believe or where you live or what you're going through, this, this turmoil that we're in the middle of, it does not change the word of God. It, and you know what? Our troubles are not going to change the word of God. We need to let the word of God change our troubles. Okay? We need to let the Word of God change us. 
Because I'll tell you right now, we are, this is our time, church, to stand up and show the world what Christians actually look like, how they act, what they think, and what they believe. And I've, I'm afraid that we're not representing very well right now. I don't mean to put anybody down. I'm, I'm talking to all of us. If you want to be an activist, fine, be an activist. But don't be a hateful activist. <laughs> you know what? I write letters all the time to politicians. I've written letters to congressmen, senators, state representatives. I've had them come to my house because they have my address and because they uh, want to get me to vote for them. Uh, you know, we got one of those... Um, like a fake doorbell, you know, and there's a little battery box behind the books and the bookshelf, and nobody ever comes to the front door. If they do, we know we don't know you because we don't use that door. So one day, like, the, there was this, you know, ding-dong, ding-dong, and, uh, you know, everyone was like, what the heck is that, you know? And so I missed it for a few minutes, and then all of a sudden I went, oh, my gosh, that's the doorbell. So I ran to the doorbell, and here's this guy. He's leaving, going back to his car, and he is um, running for political office, and he knows that I'm a concerned citizen and that I care because I've been writing to the guy who he's hoping to replace, and of course he wants my vote. I mean, I'm saying that you can be vocal without being rude. And you know what? You can, and I wrote a letter just recently. I want my voice to be heard. But it wasn't nasty and hateful and mean. See, we should behave like Christ. I'm going to turn to Romans 12. And if you have your Bible, go ahead and go there. Actually, the subtitle of this passage of Scripture is, um, well, let me, let me get to it. I'll read it. Behave like a Christian. <laughs> this is Paul again. He's teaching the church, the Roman church, how to behave like Christians. And this is what it says. I'm going to start with verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. That's a lost art, you know, preferring somebody else. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of others, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of men. And look at verse 18. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. 
You know what? There's a whole section in my Bible that is called peaceableness. I, I question whether that was even a real word, but it is the chain topic number 377 in my Thompson Chain Bible. It's called peaceableness. And this is what it means. It, peaceableness is promoting the cessation of conflict. Mothers do it every day. And, and, you know, in the book of Genesis, which is way back in the beginning of the Bible, Abraham, who's called the father of our faith, he said to Lot, his nephew, when their, their uh, possessions were so great that there wasn't room for both of them, Abraham said, please let there be no strife between you and me, for we're brothers, we're brethren, we're family. Have you ever had that happen in your household? Please let there be no strife between you and me. No, we are stirred up. We are being stirred up. And I, I just want to encourage you today to remember who you belong to. Jesus, where are your people? We're here, right? Mothers are a lot like Jesus. Like I said, they came, they serve. He came to serve. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And you know what, moms, you serve all day long. I'm getting so tired of cooking. Uh, it's been a long time since I've had to cook all the meals. You know, you get spoiled after your kids move out and you go out to eat a lot. Um, mothers serve their families Day in and day out. And I applaud you, moms. It's, a, it's hard. It's a hard job. But you're called to it, and God will equip you. He'll give you the grace to do it. He'll give you mercy when you make mistakes. You don't know how many times I pray, dear God, please don't let me wreck these kids. <laughs> and he didn't. You're Christ-like, moms. Now, I'm a mom, and I know what it means to sacrifice. And you know what? My mom sacrificed. I've told this before, Mom, but I don't think I've ever told you. I remember when we were kids, and my mom ate the chicken back. You know what? They don't even sell chicken backs anymore. But when I was a kid, if you bought a chicken cut up, you got the chicken back in there. And you know what? There's no meat on the chicken back. <laughs> Two little shoulder sockets, maybe, and the rest of it is all bone. But I remember that my mom would take the chicken back. Do you know why she did that? To leave the best for her family. She sacrificed, it all, sacrificed for us all the time. And I don't know if I ever told you this, Mom, but I noticed. I noticed your sacrifice. Thank you. She's a good mom. I want to close with um, a scripture from Matthew 24. So if you have your Bible, again, go ahead and turn there to Matthew 24 because I honestly believe this is the day that we're living in. You can read the whole chapter. I'm not going to, but the subtitle in this chapter from where I'm going to read is The Sign of the Times and the End of the Age. I'm going to start with verse 3. Now, here's Jesus again. He's back on the uh, mountain, 
He sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately, uh, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered, and he said this, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence. Do you know what a pestilence says? It's a fatal epidemic. Earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And this, oh, I almost missed the most important verse, verse 13. But he who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So Christians, this is not the time to risk your salvation with bitterness and hatred. You know, I've heard people say, this is the time for the church to shine. Okay, but let's be the church of Jesus Christ. He was not an angry, hateful man. He got angry. He says, be angry, sin not. If you're not a Christian, this is not the time to risk your future with doubt and unbelief. Thinking, yeah, maybe, you know, I'll, I'll check that out later. Now is the time. Romans 10, 9 says this, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, Jesus came, he, he taught, his ministry lasted three years and then they killed him and they put him in a tomb and everybody thought he was dead forever, but God raised him from the dead. Easter Sunday is the day that we celebrate. If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, remember that he was God incarnate. He was God in human form. You will be saved. The Bible says, for with your heart you believe unto righteousness, and with your mouth you confess unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, his name is Jesus, will be saved. You know, my prayer went something like this, and I've told you this a dozen times. God, if you are who they say you are, show me. Because I I wanted to believe. And, And you know what? I'll be honest with you. We lived in Holland at the time, which was at that time a very religious community, but the people weren't nice. There was a church on every corner, but nobody'd smile at you and wave to you on the street. And I didn't know if I wanted what they had. So I asked God, show me who you are. 
And he did. You know, all these years I thought I was special. <laughs> Turns out this Bible is filled with, with, with um, uh, people who God revealed himself to. He, re he wants to reveal himself. He shows us how to live. They mocked him. They spit on him. They killed him. And yet he came back to life. Even though we've talked about the end of the age, it isn't the end. Of the, it isn't the end. And that's a message for another day. But I've used up all my time. So I want to pray with you. Let's do that right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Father, for the word, for your word. Father, it is life. Father, it is, it is good for us, Father, to uh, partake of it. Father, thank you for showing us how to live. Thank you for showing us a way that works. Thank you for filling us up on the inside. Thank you for your spirit that leads and guides and helps us. Father, forgive us for being hateful and angry to people who don't agree with our opinions. Father, anoint us to be Christ-like to the world. Father, I pray if there are any out there today that don't know you, that they would take this opportunity to say, Jesus, I need you. I want you. Come into my heart. Fill that God-shaped hole and lead me by your spirit. I'll read your word. I'll learn how to live. And in times of trouble, I'll call on your name. Father, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Now, listen, if you, if you do that, if you call, you don't need me. You know, your relationship with Jesus is between him and you. But I want you to know that this is not, this relationship that I have with Christ, this is not supposed to be just a super private thing that nobody knows about. It should change you. People should notice. You should have joy. You should have peace instead of all this fear. You can have peace instead of all this fear. Blessed are the peacemakers, sons and daughters of God. Make some peace, please, and spread it around because there is a shortage right now. And I'm going to ask you to do one last thing. Call your mom. Take her out for ice cream. <laughs> Buy her some flowers. Tell her you love her. Nobody's perfect. Your mom's not even perfect, but she loves you. Moms, thank you for your sacrifice. You're Christ-like in your servanthood towards your family. God sees you, and he loves you too. Amen. What a great word. I love listening to her um, preach. I love listening to her stories. Uh, Maybe because I was there when it happened. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Um, great word, honey. Thank you so very much. I have a sense in my heart that there's somebody 
out there right now watching this service today and you know in your heart of hearts that you need Jesus, that you have to set things right. That being said, I believe that you're that person who, you love God, you really do, but you've, uh, you've taken a left turn, you've moved away from him. Jesus told us in Matthew uh, chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, it says this, and I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation, it's not King James, I don't think Jesus talked in King James vernacular. If he were speaking with me, this is how I would hear him say this. And I want you to listen, and I just want you to open your heart. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. This is Jesus' words. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Boom. That's what it's all about, joining your life with his. He goes on to say, learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, and easy to please. That's good news. We put so much pressure on the Christian life as though the Lord were looking down at us like some policeman in the sky waiting to zap us at the wrong turn. No, he loves us. He's compassionate. He goes on to say, you'll find refreshment and rest in me for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. What a great word. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine, the Lord would say. Now listen, I just felt in my spirit that, that, uh, that there was somebody out there, you needed to hear that word. And I'm, I'm going to pray with you right now. And we also have a prayer team that's standing by, 989-681-5731. You can call them. They, they would rejoice to be able to pray with you as you make a recommitment to the Lord or maybe accept Christ for the very first time. Maybe you're weary and maybe you're carrying a heavy burden. Then the Lord says, come on, come, come to me. I'm going to help you. I'm going to bless you. It's going to be all right. So if that's you, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to give some pauses between the lines, and then I want you to say the same prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, come into my life. Set me free from my trouble and weariness. Help me to live for you the way that you want me to do. I'm glad that you're easy to please and that you love me with all of your heart. I receive you into my life right now in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Hey, if you said that prayer and believed it in your heart and spoke those words, please call in. Uh, just let one of our prayer team know that, that you, you made a recommitment to Christ. If you don't feel like calling in, you know, send us a text, send us an email. Uh, let us know some way that you accepted Christ today. We want to bless you. We want to pray for you. And we just thank you very much for, uh, for that. Amen. Thank you for being a part of this service today. As Ms. Come here, Miss Dan. Come stand with me for a minute. 
This is the best mama I know right here. Don't worry, I won't say nothing uh, inappropriate. Thank you. <laughs> hey, we love you, and we wish you a happy Mother's Day today. We call you blessed in Jesus' name.